On today's episode of Gathering the Kings. It's like, we know that this culture thing is real. We know that how I interact with my people, how I communicate or how I solve problems or what benefits that we have, all this matters, but it doesn't feel necessarily like there's a gold standard. Yeah. What would you say to that person listening right now that's like, I'm with you, Pam, I'm on the train, but what do I do? What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. I'm your host. And I'm back today with another queen on the King stage, Pam Nemec. How we doing, Pam? Doing great. Hi, Chaz. Thanks for inviting me to be on the podcast. Absolutely. You know, I, I'm encouraged because our first few minutes here before we hit the recording button, and not only had you, you know, of course, checked us out and listened to a couple of episodes, which I appreciate, but you made reference to being a queen on the King stage. And I just, I'm honored by that, really. We've had many queens. But we got a little chance to go back and forth on the single mom uh, like-mindedness between my story and yours. And so I'm, I'm anxious to be able to share that with the listeners and just really the tenacity that many women or queens bring to business. And I think that your story is going to be definitely in line with that. So tell us, Pam, what kind of business do you have? Well, I currently am a consultant and I help companies build leadership and communication systems because I think that is a huge part of developing great company cultures. You know, I'm of the mindset that you can solve almost any problem with great communication, specifically in, in a company's culture, right? A lot of yeah. times we avoid those tough conversations, and those are exactly the conversations we need to be having. Yeah. Yeah, not only clear communication, but uh, communication that moves the needle. There, the culture is one of those words, I think, that for the last probably five or ten years has been just growing and excitement and energy and a little bit of a buzzword, a little bit of a cliche word almost. Yeah. What is culture to you? You know, I worked for a large organization for tw over 20 years, and I was fortunate for many of those years. We were in a culture that I felt like was very supportive. And I don't mean just from a, you know, people, a lot of times people want that care and that concern, and that was there right. too. Yeah. But when I learned about culture is it's not just about the perks and the parties and yeah. the pay and the benefits. It's about a, a lot more than that. And what I've learned is that you have to have kind of the, the processes and the systems in place to hold people accountable to the kind of company you want to build. And I'm seeing that right now with a client that I'm working with. You know, when you start to grow beyond that small organization you once had, you yeah. start to see the, the strains of the organization. You start yeah. to see that there are some challenges that are there now that were not there before. Yeah. You can't just gather everybody in a, in a room real quick and tell them what's going on. You have to learn how to really build that platform and those systems in order to communicate that information in a way that people can really absorb and are appreciating. But so that's why I, I don't look at culture like I used to. You know, okay. 20 years ago, had you asked me that question, I yeah. would have talked to you about events. I would have talked to you about the parties, the times that you need to gather people up and go have fun. And I still believe in all of that. And that is part of it. Sure. Yeah. But as I went from a, a team of two to a team of 200 that I was personally supervising yeah. to a company that I was uh, you know, accountable to connect all the people, I went from 25,000 to 50,000 by the time I left. Wow. I learned really quick, I'm not going to be able to do this just on will alone. Yeah. Right? I, I have got to build a platform and a system to communicate to folks and actually hold other leaders accountable to communicating right. to their teams, cascading information, giving context, collaborating, asking right. for people's input and, and opinion, you know? Yeah. And so that, that's probably the biggest lesson I've learned in the last 20 years is that you, you really have to look at culture differently. Don't look at it like benefits, HR, perks, parties. It's just not, right. it's not just that. It's everyday respect, everyday communication, collaboration. And there are systems you can build to actually make sure that happens. Yeah. I, some leaders are better than others at it. 
Absolutely. Well, naturally speaking, systematically, and then also just in a galvanizing way of just actually bringing people together. What I heard you say is that you've created a machine, for lack of better terms, an actual like formula to take the feel good thing about culture and parties and benefits and all the things that we think about naturally to put them into an equation along with communication, respect, authenticity, like some of these real like human things, like the other half of why people come to work for you or for other people listening. It's not just for the perks of the parties or the money. We know that there is a desire in collaboration and doing something meaningful and being respected by my coworkers and my, my leadership and all of these things that go into culture as well. And you're saying it's not this or that, it's actually all of it, but in a formula. And so you've formulated a formula to create a, a result. Is this, is this something that any business can use? Is this something only big companies can use? Give us a little bit more. No, because I, I think that everybody, regardless of the size of your company, now granted, if you have one person, then maybe you don't need this right now. But as you start to, to grow, I don't think it's ever too early to begin looking at your processes and your systems within your company as it relates to communication and how right. you lead. And again, it's about as you grow, you're going to have to hire more and more leaders to lead your company. That's and right. And those leaders may or may not be the best about communication. Right. Some are great at it and some are not that great. They might be really good at finance, but they may not be as strong in communication. So the entrepreneur themselves may not be that good. <laughs> exactly. So what I've learned is that you kind of have to hold yourself accountable to communicate by creating a formula, a schedule, a plan for culture. Yeah. Just like if you were going to plan your growth for your business, a lot of people will plan that out to the, to the nth degree. But right. when you talk about how are you going to plan to develop your culture along the way, people forget about that part. Yeah. How are you going to plan communication through that change? How are you going to manage change as you grow? And that's where communication and then the right type of leadership comes into play. Yeah, which we can get into, obviously, styles of communication or even process, hiring those right people. There's a lot of semantics that come into that. But I want to, before we go into anything further in the nitty gritty, I want to I want to know a little bit more about you, Pam. I want to know, what is the heartbeat? Why are you doing this? What's the bigger picture? The burning desire, as many like to say, what, what's what's the why for you? Well, you know, I think it kind of goes back to where I started. So when I first started in my career, I started as a PR director and I was working for a children's hall and I've been everywhere from working for a children's hall. I was a teacher for a while. I taught marketing and business. I was a stay at home mom for five years. And then I started working for that large organization and my career trajectory over the past 20 years, went from a marketing manager to a head of HR and communications for the brand. Wow. Uh, during that time, in 2009, I had just been promoted to a higher level director in the company, and we had relocated our headquarters. And during that time, during that relocation, I also learned that I was going to be a single mom. So it was kind of like this suddenly single moment. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, I didn't see that coming. And I had two children, have two children. And at the time, and I was in the midst of this big move and relocating the family, relocating the company. I was in charge of communications for that move. So there was a lot going on. So what was great about that time was I had a boss who was the CEO. I was just able to go to him and say, hey, I need to let you know, I've got some things going on. Right. And I knew I trusted him and I knew that he wouldn't he wouldn't say, oh, well, I'm going to set Pam over here to the side or I'm sure kind of start marginalizing what she does because she's too busy to kind of do this. He right. supported me in a way that felt respectful. Yeah. And I ended up being single for another 12 years. And wow. so I just focused on work and my kids and ended up, like I said, I was a director at that moment when that happened, but I ended up as a senior VP. And I think that taught me the support of your company and the support of the people that are in that company. When yeah. people go through a tough time, 
is is everything yeah. to individuals. And it changed the way I led as well. I had always been, obviously, I care about people just because I care about people. Yeah. It, it changed my perspective so much because I had personally experienced a yeah. situation in my life that could have derailed my career. Yeah. Could have put me in a position where financially I could have been in a situation where I would, I was, I would be concerned. But as yeah. it was, I was able to just continue on and do well in the company and raise two great kids who both graduated from Texas A&M and doing great in their lives. And, you know, it was tough. It was difficult, but they're doing good. And I think that's where that balance comes in for leaders to understand that, you know, culture is about a lot of things. But when you have that moment, when you can do good for a person, and understand their circumstances is everything to that individual. It doesn't make them lazy. It makes them very loyal. Yeah. Yeah. It produces something in them that they're not going to get probably from anywhere else, right? Because we're, we're community-based creatures. We're meant to live in community. We're meant to do things with other people, whether that be work and or go through the hard times. And so I think actually what you've given through your story and then through the kind of like the overview of your formula You've given that in a very practical way, which is we're humans and whether we're working in a company or whether we're going through stuff in life, we need people around us that are going to push us, challenge us, support us, encourage us, pick us up when we fall, tell us to, you know, hey, it's no big deal. Keep moving or like whatever the, the, the moments require. That's really the culture. But you're just saying that there's a formula to that. It doesn't have to be just on the whim which I feel like that's that's where a lot of entrepreneurs live. It's like, we know that this culture thing is real. We know that how I interact with my people, how I communicate or how I solve problems or what benefits that we have, all this matters, but it doesn't feel necessarily like there's like a, a gold standard. Yeah. What would you say to that person listening right now that's like, I'm, I'm with you, Pam, I'm on the train, but what do I do? Yeah, so, you know, there's, there's I actually came up with a formula. So it's called the connected leader. And it's, it's about, there's seven steps. And I've actually added another one. So I call it the seven plus one now. Because I, I, what, I, what I've learned is that you have to create the vision for your yeah. culture, just like you create the vision for your company. Now, some people would say, well, that's all the same thing. And I'm like, it's, it's not though, because you really have to be intentional about the kind of culture that you build. So do you right. know the vision? for the culture that you want. And then you've got to get very committed to it and you have to coach it. And so you, if you know the vision, then you can coach the vision. That's and right. I'll give you an example. So let's talk about coaching. So you've hired new people. They're coming into your company. How are you coaching your culture? Do people know what that looks like? Do they know how right. to integrate into it? And that sort of thing. So everything from how you orient, how you coach, how you lead, how you coach your leaders on being better at that. And then moving into, you know, when you think about your hired to retire process, how are you integrating the company message, culture, vision, values into everything you do from a recruitment standpoint, all the way to your orientation, your training and your development? All yeah. to retirement. How do you retire people from your organization? Because those people become customers or clients. And then thinking about how are you taking all of these, these things that you develop on the inside, the rewards, the recognition, all of these pieces, how are you taking all of that and creating a culture that is so powerful that people want to promote and protect it on the outside of your organization? And yeah. this is what I had a unique perspective and opportunity when I worked for Whataburger. And that was, I sat as HR and communications, but I also ran social media, public relations, customer care, wow. even digital for a time. And what was great about that is a lot of people think that communications social media, PR, that sort of thing should be in marketing. And they looked at it as a marketing function. But sure. what was unique about the, the leader that I had at the time was he understood that it's a little different. 
communications is a conversation you're having with customers. It's a conversation you're having with employees. It's not just one way. Yeah, right. And having the ability to build the internal culture of an organization and create something really special. What happens is when your people start to feel cared for, you, you, you'll see that they start to protect and promote your brand. Right. Then you, if you have the platforms established as a system within your organization, you can promote those things that are happening internally, externally. Right. When you do that, the stories that start to come out from a PR perspective, from a social media perspective, you can take that, you push that back out into the, into the organization, and it becomes a cycle where people are seeing the good that you're doing inside the company, the people at the customers are seeing it, the employees are seeing it, and then they want to emulate right. it. And you create this momentum that mm -hmm. is pretty powerful and starts to create a brand that it goes beyond the walls of that company. And that's where I believe that inside-out approach is much more impactful than just marketing a message to a customer. And when you start getting your employees promoting and protecting your brand, you know you started, right. you started something pretty special. Yeah, absolutely. And I would, I would agree with you in an extension even with your clients. Your clients can become part of the same momentum force and it's interesting that you've described this almost like super authentic and organic internal approach, like what you're saying, and then turning that into external, because that's actually what we've done. It's not with the employees, although my, my team is part of this, but this has been our approach with gathering the Kings as a mastermind group. We don't have a sales process, <laughs> which is crazy because I have 20 years of sales experience and leadership and training and coaching. And I built courses and I built a sales team for Grant Cardone and like sales is in my blood, but we do not currently have a sales process, nor do we generate quote unquote leads. And it's very interesting because we have a very thriving mastermind group with seven to nine figure business owners. And I've just organically come across people, whether it be the show, whether it be events that I'm at, whether it be friends of friends or referrals, whatever it is. And we've done this for a period of time. Now, this was the point to do it for a period of time, about a year where I wanted to lay a thick, authentic, just foundation that people knew that it was real and that they were just going to be in a place that was forever going to change their business, life, family, marriage, even the whole deal. And so now that we have that, now we're looking at going, okay, how do we go external with this? What promotional or marketing do we actually step into, which is going to obviously create a sales process. And I know how to build that like the back of my hand. But it was at first, it was like, no, I want to go internal. I want this to be real because there's so many other things that you can get swindled into. And I'm not saying that the other programs are, are not good, but there are a lot of externally marketing sales focused people where they'll just take your money and then you get in and you're like, hmm, or in, the, in your case, you go work for a company. It seems good. And then when you get on the inside, you're like, oh, this isn't, this isn't mm -hmm. what it seemed from the marketing that I saw yeah. or the interviewing that I saw or whatever. So I think that the, the principle here that I want the, the listener to take away from the, our conversation is just that when you build intentionally and internally and authentically, yeah. that is going to create this momentum that Pam's talking about because it's been real for us. And, and I can talk about the same thing from employees as well. I'm sure you can and many of your clients that you've worked with. But when you have momentum internally, it is super hard to, to turn that off or shut it down. Yeah, that's so well said because the thing about it is that once you've created that excitement on the inside of your organization, what I saw right. was, it, and you know what, let me stop here real quick. Not every culture is perfect for everyone, right? Yeah. Some right. companies just, they don't fit, you don't fit into it. Maybe you just don't like it for whatever reason. That's okay. But yeah. I think that businesses need to be okay with being who they are, right? Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. You know, own who you are. It that's the part of the authenticity. Clarify who you are, right? So you, so you and everybody else knows. <laughs> yeah, you know, you got to know who you are before you can yeah. become it. You know, right. like anything in life. And so knowing who you are and not just following trends, because I think yeah, when you start good. to follow trends, it gets dangerous because now you're just not being authentic. 
right? right? We knew who we were and we lived it every single day. And I used to tell people that I hired, I said, I know that every company is going to tell you they're a team, right? We have teamwork here. I was right. like, but I'm telling you, it's a team here, right? So, so check your ego at the door because we're all going to get in a room and we're going to all help one another. We're going to talk. We're going to collaborate. We're going to give our perspectives and opinions, and we're going to come up with something awesome. And what I saw yeah. when you do that, people start to feel much more ownership over your brand. It becomes yeah. their brand. They're not talking about that it's your brand or that they're working for you. It's us. Yeah. It's we. It's exciting because they become part of it. They want to wear that logo on their shirt. They want to wear that merchandise. They want to be, right. they're proud of it. And when you can create that kind of excitement by creating an ecosystem within the entire company and everything you do, you are pointing back to who you are, you know, what you said you wanted to be, what you said that culture was about. And so every time when you start putting that out there, people expect you to live up to it. And some days you will fail. And that's okay. It's aspirational, right? You're not going to be perfect every single day. But if you say you want to create a culture of respect, right. then what does respect look like as it relates to all of the systems within your organization? Are you really demonstrating that in the collaboration? I mean, that's one of the pillars that I teach. How do you collaborate in your company? Yeah, yeah. You just make the decision and cascade the information and say, live with it. Or do right. you actually bring all the people in the room that are going to be impacted by that decision and ask yeah. their opinion, right? right? That's a respect thing that starts to build loyalty within your organization yeah. and pride in the decisions that your organization makes. If you don't collaborate properly and you don't have a system for that, well, guess what? People are going to work around it because people want to move fast. They don't want right. to talk to all the other people. They just want to make a decision and go. But yep. what happens is you don't make the best decision. Not only that, people are feeling disrespected along the way. And then yeah. people want to be developed. How are you developing people? How are you talking to them about where they want to be in their, in their next step of their career? Do they feel like you have their back? Do you promote them to other leaders? Do you talk about what they've done or do you take all the credit? Right. You yep. know, it's, it's all of those, those pieces that... May seem small at times, but they matter to that individual that you are leading in the organization. And by putting together a kind of a cadence for meeting, making sure that you're meeting with them on a regular basis, are you meeting with them monthly, weekly, quarterly, annually? What are you right. doing to make sure that connection stays there and that it doesn't get pushed off your calendar because I'm sorry, the boss called and I need to go, you know, to him. Right. Versus worry about the people I'm actually leading. Yeah. And it's just that accountability, create the systems that you need to hold yourself accountable to all of the things that people expect from us as leaders in an organization, whether you're leading a team or whether you're leading an entire organization. If you're leading an organization, even better, because you have the control to build the systems you need within the all eight areas that I teach, which is on my website, by the way, they can go and look at those eight areas, but it's important to make sure that you have a strategy, a plan, and you're being intentional about the kind of culture you said you wanted. Right. And then holding everyone, including yourself, accountable to living it out. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of, a lot of power in what you're giving, a lot of principle. You mentioned a few minutes ago that collaboration, for lack of better terms, creates opportunities for good decisions to be made. And I agree with that. There's probably a few other things that go in that equation. Hey, kings and queens, Chaz Wolf. I want to talk to you about something that's super important to me. We put a lot of time and effort, we meaning myself and my team, into this podcast, into the content that goes out every single day. And if you have been getting any sort of value or insight from this, we want it to be able to reach other business owners too. So we would love if you would like, comment, share, leave a review, post, share again, <laughs> all of the things on social media, on all the different platforms 
or even on the podcast mediums of Apple and Spotify. We would love to be able to get our content into more hands, more entrepreneurs, so they can grow their business as quick as possible. Together, we are building a community of like-minded entrepreneurs who are committed to growing their businesses to new heights. So let's do this. Let's help each other. Let's help each other grow. Uh, and I want to know of a good decision that you've made as building your business or in your 20-year plus history with corporate America and building cultures in that arena. What was just a good decision? When you look back, you're like, hmm, I'd do that again and again. And that the listeners can implement into their businesses. Oh, boy. Well, there's been some personal good decisions I've made that have changed the trajectory of my career. And then there's been some decisions that we've made as an organization that I think were smart. And that is picking that rule book that leaders tend to follow and in, in some cases pitching it out the, the window. Right. I think that great leaders don't put themselves in a box and follow the norm okay. that all the other organizations are doing, right? So Got it. a lot of times people go, well, this is the structure of a company. This is the, the way a company is structured. Therefore, that's how my company needs to be structured. Right. Well, in my experience, that hasn't always been the way we worked. So most people would put social media, for example, into a marketing department and say, you run social media. Might even right. put public relations in marketing. Right. And they would never combine HR, communications, social media, public relations, community relations, and customer care. They wouldn't think about doing that. Why would you put that in HR? Yeah. Well, in our case, we threw the rule book out and said, why not? Yeah. Because what communications does for a company is they're promoting the brand to employees. Right. Well, HR promotes the brand to potential employees and communications also promotes the brand to customers. But we right. promote it through a, a conversation and through connection, not just a marketing message. Yeah. And that combination of HR, communications, PR, branding, social media, all in one department was extremely powerful. And it helped bring all of the elements of what made culture special together. And then in that collaboration, we could enhance it all to promote the brand. And we yeah. used that opportunity to do some really cool things, not just for employees, but also for customers. While marketing was doing amazing work from a marketing perspective. Sure. All of which cross-functionally collaborating the whole time to make sure that we were all demonstrating the kind of company and culture and values that we wanted to stand for. And so I think they decision to not always follow the norm has been one that will reap much more reward than just always doing what everybody else tells you to do. Yeah, I love that. And you gave a great depiction of what that looks like inside of an organization. A little bit of a disruptor is what you're saying, and it's okay to disrupt. I think that there's probably a difference between trying to recreate the wheel every time and being a disruptor with certain levers. And so I want to, as a person <laughs> who really likes to disrupt things and think very uniquely, I've had to learn that now, number one, that what Pam just shared with you is a huge value. Like that is a uniqueness as an entrepreneur. When you think a little bit different, that's okay. Like lean into that, but lean into it on things like this that like really lever an entire organization. And it doesn't have to be every little thing that you have to reinvent. And so I think that there's <laughs> major power and also major disruption that can happen. So I think you've given us a really, really clear path on how to be able to utilize that, that inventive uniqueness that some of us, a lot of us have. What about a bad decision? Something that you did that didn't work out and we can learn from? You know, I think early on in my career, I was terrible about asking for help. I, I just always felt like I didn't want to appear vulnerable. Number one, right. we, I didn't yep. want to appear like I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And I would take on more than I could handle. Mm -hmm. uh, and then what would happen is I would not either produce something that was really that strong or yeah. I would be late on my deadlines because I had taken on too much because I wasn't yeah. asking for help. 
Yep. The, great, the great thing that happened was we were doing these 360 reviews, which are painful, honestly, but they're so helpful. <laughs> you have to pick seven people who know you well, all different levels in the organization, and they provide in-depth feedback about you. You know, yeah. basically a stop, start, and continue. What do you need to stop doing, start doing? What do you need to continue doing? Well, as you can imagine, they say amazing things on the, you know, what you should continue to do. Uh, sure. But all you focus on is what you should stop doing, right? That's right. Like the things that you, you worry about. Yep. And what they, the feedback was is, is she's great, but I can't depend on her to meet this deadline. And this was when mm. I was probably 32 years old, so really early in my, my journey. And which was a great gift because it made me realize that I am saying yes to things that I'm not, that's not my area of expertise. Right. And I need to reach out and get help. And I need to not take on more than I can actually deliver because it's great to say yes to everything at the time. But if you right. can't deliver it in a way that it's what's expected, then yeah, you really more harm done. So. Yeah. Exactly. And so that was my big kind of aha moment. Like, hey, Pam, you need to stop saying yes to everything. You need to really understand where your limitations are and reach yeah. out when you need help. And, and that, that's another reason I'm a big fan yeah. of collaboration. I've seen many, many times where I thought I had the answer. I thought I knew this was what we should do. Yep. And, you know, you ask anybody, they would, they were believing me too, because I can be very convincing that that's the right thing to do. Yeah. But what I saw is as we built us the process that ensured there was collaboration across the organization and the right people were in the room to give their opinion on this mm -hmm. amazing idea. Yeah. I learned that I didn't know that the supply chain might be impacted by what I was about to do. I didn't understand right. that operations needed to know specific information in order to actually execute that. Or, oh, I didn't realize that training needed five weeks to prepare before, you know, this thing rolls out. And right. it's having those people in the room to tell me those things that made that that great idea a way better idea and better execution of it. Right. And everybody's excited. The team's idea. And, and yeah. what you also have to let go of, I think, as a leader, and this comes with experience and confidence over time, is it doesn't have to be about you. It doesn't right. have to be your idea. Right. You have to let go and say, it's not just my idea. I, I might have started that idea, but That's man, right. this team brought it to life. Yeah, and there's freedom in that. There's freedom in it and there's power in it. And that is that's culture building because it yeah. becomes about everyone, not just yeah. about you as the leader and trying to take that credit, you know, and, and that's, I think that's dangerous to a team and an organization. You've got to be willing to, to let others shine. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. The root of this, what I've found, especially for a lot of entrepreneurs is control or ego and a lot of leaders or entrepreneurs, someone listening right now doesn't necessarily think of themselves as a person that demands control. Although like when you hear that and you know that you're a control person, like I am, like many people are, that it's like, oh yeah, like when I hear like, yeah, no, I, I demand order. I demand control of things. There's a certain standard, there's a certain formula and process. But most business owners, most leaders want freedom, really. And so there's this interesting play because you can't have both. You can't be in control of everything or have every good idea be yours and everybody just doing what you say and have freedom because freedom comes from like what you're saying, collaboration and actually giving some of that away. Even if it was the start of your idea, it was molded and crafted and, and executed by, by an entire team or organization and allowing not only them to have a piece of the credit, but in rightful so, like they, they did some work. And so why yeah. wouldn't you want to do that and empower them, which then is creating a lot of these things that you're talking about inside of a team, inside of an organization, which what we call culture. It's like, I'm actually empowering this individual to keep doing what it is their superpower is, which makes them feel really, really good about their job here, which makes them then start promoting from the inside, which makes them start promoting to the outside. Like all this stuff that we're talking about flows together, but it, the seed of it is 
as a leader, is their ego, is their control. Like I'm all about order. I'm all about process and organization and being buttoned up and, and being professional. Like it's one of our core values. We're professionals. We know what we're doing. And if we don't, we ask for help because we need to make sure that it's right. But inside of that, there has to be collaboration and freedom for other people. But, but really I'm talking about the entrepreneur because that's who's listening right now. It's like, you feel like in order to get it done, you've got to be the one and you don't, I promise you. In fact, the freedom is when you give it away, like Pam's talking about. Would you add anything to this? Yeah, I just, I would say that you got to work on the business, not in it all the time. And I think that's pulling back a little bit and allowing others to have their perspective and opinion heard. I would say this, I'm working with a client right now that is having this moment of, hey, I'm, I'm ready to move on and do something different in my business and let them operate while I am building, you know, building the business, which is what CEOs should be doing, right? How are you building the business for the future while the others are operating it for the current day? Yeah, right. And one of the things he brought me in to help with is as you do that and as you build and you grow and you acquire new business into your organization, you have to make sure that people know what your standards are. Right. What are your standards in your organization? What's the operating model? How do I, how do I work within your organization? Do I know the process? So I can plug in in a way that doesn't feel like I'm in the way, especially for new employees. And, and as you grow and you bring in new people into your organization, if you haven't clarified your standard, your expectation, what is professionalism in the eyes of Chad? Like, what do you think professionalism is? Everyone has a different take, right? Yeah. And, and that's what I mean about being intentional about your culture. If I say, I want a culture of respect. Well, what does that mean to Pam? I need to, I need to articulate that. So people are clear. If I say, I want a culture that is professional, buttoned up, they know their stuff. What does that look like when they go and present to, as I say, a client and a meeting? What does professional mean to you? Um, Are you teaching it? Is the standard there or are they building a message or a PowerPoint or a presentation where you just sort of like wanting to, you know, sink under the table, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's those things that you have to know that that's where that leadership and development pillar of the, my program comes in. It's like, how are you leading and developing your culture? Do people yeah. know what is expected of them and do they know how to deliver it? And do they have the tools to do so? Yeah. Yeah. It can't just be the core values written on the wall. It can't. I always say that. It's like people put these things on a poster. They, you know, rah-rah at a meeting or they do it in an email sign-off, you know, a little signature at the end. And they think, see, I care about culture. And I'm like, yeah, but how are you leading and developing that in every single person in your organization? And not you as the CEO, but how are you teaching your leaders how to do that? And how are they teaching their leaders how to do that? And how is it cascading through the organization? And then how are you recognizing and rewarding those people? Are you only rewarding and recognizing the people that are hitting the numbers and you're ignoring the way the behaviors they use to hit those numbers? Because that's that's not good for the culture. You can hit all the numbers, but you might be a real jerk along the way. And you're losing people from your team at least maybe not physically yet, but they're certainly disengaging. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's paying attention to that as a leader and not making excuses for those behaviors that don't fit. Yeah. And, and that's just what I said at the early, early part is I think a lot of things can be solved with, with very candid conversations, you know, critical conversations that you need to have with people and be honest with them and tell them where they're, where they need to step up. Yeah. You know, and I, I just think that's, that's another part of this whole leadership and communication model. Everything I'm, everything I preach is yes, it's culture. That's the top bucket. Right. But, but at the end of the day, there's, there's eight more things that you could focus on. Right. If you build those, you will get your culture. Yeah. Build, build those systems. Make sure you're looking at all of the, the eight elements and, 
And if you do that, you'll have a culture that you could be really proud of because it's intentional. You know what you're doing. You know how it's being taught. You know how it's cascading in the organization. Right. And it's a solid platform to continue to build from. Love it. I love it. I want to go to our speed round here, ask you some questions that hopefully you know some quick answers to, but we'll see. First, it's just pretty easy. What's a book recommendation or a business resource that you'd recommend our listeners grab? I love the book Traction. It's something I just read. You may have read it. It's, I think it's a great book. It's about the processes of a business and, yeah. and, make, and understanding how that impacts performance. And I think, I think the combination of, of those processes impact culture, which impact performance. And I think if you can wrap all of that together, you'll have a pretty successful business. Yeah. Yeah. We're ending June here in, in, I guess today. And a lot of those EOS conversations will be happening in the next few days. So we, we understand that for sure. Okay. What about, what about a KPI that you're tracking inside your business right now? What's the top thing that you're focused on? Oh boy, you're going to ask me that. I think that the the thing, because I'm in a, I'm at pretty much of a still the startup mode, being mm-hmm. that I left my 20 year career back in end of 2022. So my business will have been operating a year this August. So for me, my KPI is the number of people that I am reaching out to on a daily yep. basis to spread the message and to put myself out there as a consultant and a speaker and a coach for leaders who are looking to improve their communication inside their yeah. companies. Hey, got to fill the pipeline. <laughs> yes, exactly. Got to fill the pipeline. You know, it's, it's interesting, you know, especially having several businesses myself, but even as we started gathering the Kings and I already told you our approach was not necessarily to quote unquote, fill the pipeline. That is always like what's like burning in back here going, Who's in the pipeline? Who's in the pipeline? Who's in the pipeline? And so I think that there's a lot of folks that maybe are naturally wired that way or who have sales experience. But for the listener right now who maybe doesn't or, you know, is just in that mode of, of building, it's okay to dial in for a season where really all business is, is always in this season, but you have someone else do it eventually, <laughs> is that you've got to be able to fill the pipeline. So I love what you're doing. You're putting yourself out there and, and the right people will hear the message. Sometimes it's a course of time. Sometimes it's a course of just increasing volume and action, which we both know. I want to ask you a, a question about family. You mentioned earlier a little bit of you know time frame where you were a single mom. You've got a couple of kids. For you in in building a career that's been very successful in leadership and in this culture play, and then now building a consult a consulting agency, you still have kids. And so I guess my question is, how have you obsessed about the kids, about the family unit? at the same time as doing all of these extremely successful things in your career? You know, I, I'm glad you asked that question because I think this is such an important aspect of being a leader. I believe that people want to be great high performers at work, but they really want to be high performers at home just as much. Yeah. And I was that person. And I think that as a leader, one of the things that I did as I was, you know, moving up in the company, I set boundaries. I had non-negotiables. For example, I would leave meetings in the middle of them in order to make it to my daughter's basketball game. I would leave to go make it to my son's pole vault meets. I think it matters that when your children look up in the stands, you're there. Um, and so I just refuse to miss their activities and their events. And so that I might not be the greatest about I'm going to cook dinner every single night because by the time I commuted and got home, it was right. The kids were starving. So I had to have my babysitter feed them until I got home. And then maybe we would eat again. (laughs) The point was that I had to negotiate those times where maybe there was an executive dinner that I had been invited to attend, but my daughter had a basketball game. I was going to the basketball game. And if that gets me fired, so be it, right? And I think as leaders, we have to say, that's my non-negotiable. And thankfully, when you're in a culture that's supportive of your family, it's not an issue. And and so I, I I think I was a high performer at work, but I was also a high performer at home. And I also dedicated my weekends to my children and my evenings to my children. And that's what I 
that's what I did. And I think, you know, was I a perfect mother? Probably not. But I, I certainly did my very best to show them that they were first you know, yeah. in my life. And I, I think that's all you can do as a leader. So you just got to keep showing up for your kids and you have to make them a priority. And you do that through your actions, not your words. And so that's kind of how I did it. Yeah. And I, I mean, to this day, speaking of obsessed, I'm so obsessed with my kids. I mean, we literally talk every single day. Um, wow. My son, my daughter call me all the time. I now have a grandbaby. My daughter's married. She's 27 and she has a baby now. And you talk about obsessed. I'm totally obsessed with her. And, you know, it's just a great thing when you can have grown children and you still have these great relationships with your grown kids. Right. Yeah. Even though you've been through all kinds of things as they were growing up, those teenage right. years are so enjoyable. And, you know, but you get through it and you love yeah. them anyway. You love them through all of that. And, and they love you through all of it. And, and Yeah. Whether they say it or not, right? Whether they say it or not. And at the end of it, you're rewarded with amazing relationships when they're adults. And yeah. to me, that is, will always be way more important than any title I held at a company. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, those are super great practicals. I think that we all have to figure out what that looks like for each one of us, mm -hmm. you know, for, for entrepreneurs, which you know, now it, there's a, a flow of life that it just, there's not really this or that, and you don't turn it off. And so figuring out ways to be able to go all in or have boundaries or obsessions here or there, make it, in my opinion, doable. Cause it's not, it, we just unfortunately don't, don't have a nine to five situation as entrepreneurs, but that doesn't mean that we can't decide what we're looking for. I do have one thing I was going to just say real quick, what you just said. Yeah. This idea of, of how do you raise kids and raise a business? You know, it's, it's can yeah. be tough, right? There's challenges, but just like you're intentional about the culture you're going to create for your company, you're That's right. creating a culture for your family and you can 100%. be just as intentional about that and yeah. plan for that just like you would plan for your business, right? I mean, yeah. I know that it takes maybe the, I don't know, the, the fun out of it, but to no. me, it's, it's the only way you've got to plan the life you want. It's the only way you're going to actually have it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So anyway, that's my, that's awesome. Pam, you're, you're obviously a, a great mother and especially with having older kids and, and them, you know, desiring to still, I used to be still friends with you me. really now. Yeah. Well, there's a big difference between, you know, being like this person being my mom and then now this person being my friend and yes. that transition right. doesn't happen if, if they don't feel like the years before were, yes. were very good. So I got one last question here for you, Pam. I got to know okay. if you had a chance to reach back into the past and whisper into the younger Pam's ear, what would you say? Mm, trust your instincts. Mm, okay. I would tell her to trust her instincts. I've had a moment in my life that was an instinctual decision that I made, had I not gone with my gut on that, it would have, it would have changed the complete trajectory of my life. Yeah. And it was a very tough decision. It was a personal decision that I had been, my husband at the time had said to me, I was in an airport, I was walking through an airport. I was working for the company at this point and I was traveling and I got a phone call and he had said, hey, I don't want to relocate with your company. I don't want to do that. Can we just not do that? And we'll buy that house out in the country and you can stay home and raise the kids. Now, knowing that is something that I had always kind of desired, like being there for the kids. Yeah. Uh, he was kind of putting that out there. But we had had some things that happened prior. And so I'd had to, at that moment, make a decision. Do I take this carrot that I've been wanting yeah. and, and do that, or do I trust my instincts at this very moment in the middle of this airport and say, I'm sorry, I'm going to take this job. I am going to move because of these things. I, I need to have my own financial independence. And so I'm going to yeah. do that. Yeah. And I, I hope that's, I hope that you will come, but that's where I'm going. That's where the kids are going. Yeah. And, and that's, was the best decision I ever made because about three months later, I found out that I was going to be suddenly single for other reasons. And sure. had I not made that decision, yeah, I would have lost my job. 
I would by that time had been replaced and yeah. I would be stuck in a very small town without a job and and so on. different so circumstances it's it's just those moments that are very difficult and yeah. the decision you're making you know is not going to be popular right but there's something in you you know for yeah. me it's faith that there was something telling me Pam don't do that don't do right. that I know it's hard. Keep forging ahead. Keep forging ahead. Best decision I ever made, you know. But sometimes those moments are, you don't know. You're making it and you're like, oh my gosh, this is, maybe I should just go with the flow, you know. Pam, that, that I mean, that's an incredible story, first off. And what a pivotal moment. And I love, I love the belief that you would whisper to the younger you of, trust your instincts. You've been incredible here today. How can the listener find you? Number one. If they are running a business or if even if they're part of a big organization listening and they need to work on their culture, how can they find you? Or if they're just an entrepreneur and they want to connect with you, how can they find you? The best way to, to get in touch with me is go to my website. It's pamnimic.com. I also have a lot of free resources on there that they right. can download, how to build these communication platforms. It talks about the model that I teach. It kind of gives you a little more context and background on what I do. So, so pamnemic.com, N-E-M-E-C. Perfect. And yeah, so go there. And then, of course, I'm on social media. LinkedIn, is a, I'm always posting blogs and information. Yeah. So I'd love for people to follow me on LinkedIn. And I'm on Instagram as well. Again, pamnemic. So. Perfect. We'll put all that in the show notes as well. And that way makes it super easy for them to connect with you and Again, thank you for being here. You've given a ton here today, and I'm thankful to know you and be able to collaborate with you or mastermind on this podcast about culture and, and your story. So thank you for sharing. Blessings to you, your children, your grandbaby, and, uh, and your consulting firm and all the people that you're going to touch here as you teach culture and the uniqueness of that all over the world. We appreciate you being here. Awesome. Well, thank you. It's been awesome. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries and now interviewing over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1,000 kings, specifically who are grateful, but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family, and communities. And here's what we believe, that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.